You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show podcast, episode 303. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash 303. You're listening to The Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? I'm Mr. Smith. I'll be hanging out on the show with you guys. So without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, just happens to be my beautiful bride, Amy E. Smith. Oh, hello there. Ready to talk to the audience? I'm ready. You are? I am. Feeling pretty damn good? I'm feeling pretty good. Well, I'm excited to chat with everybody today about a topic that I think hits home for many, many people, and it is how to make tough decisions. When you are trying to figure out, do we actually move across the country? Do I go back to school? Should I take this job or that job? A lot of times, just the agonizing over the actual decision-making part is what causes us so much pain. That's true. More so than just deciding on something. Actually getting a decision made. Right. That's right. Especially if you are one of those people who has to make decisions nonstop all the time. If you're a mom or a parent or you are... executive. What is that? Executive. Uh, right. Where executive, where you're constantly making decisions yeah. or anything, anything like that, yep. where you have quite literally some decision fatigue. And then when there's something really intense and huge that you need to decide on, you're like, somebody else make it. Somebody else make the decision. <laughs> so we're going to unpack that quite a bit today. But I would love to start with your segment, Baby Dom. Oh, yeah. We have a segment here on this show and we like to call it... Would you rather? Would you rather? Okay, so today's would you rather is, would you rather get stuck in an elevator for six hours? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Or get stuck on a ski lift for six hours. Oh, wow. This is good. Hmm. I, oh, I, I put, God, they're so Get bad. stuck in an elevator for six hours of time. <laughs> I don't know why I put that. Thanks for that stipulation. Yeah. <laughs> I, the, both of these are horrendous for me. Yeah, either. Because ski lift is heights. Heights and completely up in the And like, the elements. Open. Yeah. And the elements. What if it starts snowing? What if? But then if I'm in an, an elevator, it's close quarters. Mm-hmm. And, and when I think about how an elevator actually works and mm. I think about the inside, and that terrifies me too. I mean, they're both elevators. Really, in a true, way, right? True. I, I would have to same... do some serious risk analysis and mm-hmm. <laughs> look online. Risk analysis. Oh, my God. What I, are you, an insurance agent? I think... Uh, that reminds me of... Oh. Uh, here comes Polly, or what's the... Along came Along Polly. came Polly? That, yeah, the risk analysis. <laughs> risk analysis. Okay. I think I would actually go with the ski lift. Okay. I'm really surprised. Uh, let me tell you why. Okay, tell me why. Because I think of that, if that problem arises... Well, that's just the problem. It's not arising. It's stuck. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> if that problem arises, it's not likely that the that you're going to fall down. 
is just likely that it just got stuck or right. there's a mechanical thing. It's not that you're going to plummet. Well, the ski lifts are not going to plummet either. That, that's why I picked oh, the ski oh. lift. But the elevator, you're not going to plummet. Well, you like, how many of those? I don't know. Like the, too that, many movies, girl. I know. It's a movie thing. It's definitely <laughs> a movie thing. That just alarms me. And the idea of being in close, close quarters with people like that yeah. and being the confines, I'd almost rather the open sky. Well, I've been stuck on an elevator for six hours. So I, <clears throat> I think I'm going to go with the elevator. Because you already, I've already been there, done that. Been there, done that. Do you see my hand? I'm like, I'm like freaking out. You're freaking out. <laughs> She's like clenching the pillow. I'm climbing up the wall because I'm, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm exhibiting normal nervous behavior mm-hmm, <laughs> when mm-hmm. put in a. That's what you would do in the elevator. I'd be like, yeah. oh, just grab it all grabbing things. at the walls. <laughs> yeah. So, Mr. Smith has actually delivered a baby in an elevator. I, Is I this did. the same one you're the thinking same, of? Oh yeah, yeah. That's the one. <laughs> God. It was it was four and a half hours, I think, we were stuck in that elevator. And you just managed to deliver a baby while that was happening. Yeah, well, there was a pregnant <laughs> woman in there, so, you know, kind of threw her into labor. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Mr. Smith, he's quite the enigma. Anyway, <laughs> we would love to hear which you would rather. Which one are you going to choose? And we talk about this every single week over in our After Hours community. Oh, yeah. And this is a private Facebook group that I started just specifically as sort of an additional support level for all of you li- tuning in and listening. And an, because we're in sort of this audio medium, I don't get, when I ask you questions, I don't get to hear your responses or your thoughts or what's going on or your additional questions. So the After Hours group is an amazing place for you to come and get support from other like-minded individuals. And there are a ton of additional resources. I do a training every single Thursday where I sound off on any questions that have come up from the community. And we have Warm Fuzzy Wednesdays and Open Mic Tuesdays, New Friends Fridays, all sort of fun stuff over there. So. And the podcast is released, the Would You Rather's on Mondays. That's right. And so that's, you got something every day of the week. That's when we debate and we talk about mm-hmm. our preferred Would You Rather. And then Mr. Smith comes in and, and cracks the whip on any loopholes. Or applauds. Yeah, or you're like, bravo. Sometimes I applaud your comments. Well yes. played. Well played. That's right. It's the comment of the day. Yes. All you need to do to become a part of our little club is to go to thejoyjunkie.com slash club. It redirects you right over to our little corner of the internet. And come hang out and say hi. After you- hours. After hours. <laughs> All right, that's enough shenanigans. How about we talk about making tough decisions? Okay, let's do it. I did a a keynote event where I was speaking to a group of of women about this idea of what goes into making really challenging, tough decisions. Yeah, you slayed it, if I remember correctly. I did. I slayed. You slayed. I love, love, love speaking. It's one of my absolute favorite pieces <clears throat> of my work. And it was really cool to bring this particular topic because it's not something that I – I talk about all the time in my work. You know, I'm always about boundaries, speaking up, saying no, all of that. And it was cool to start looking at how are the things that we talk about all the time on the pod, like dealing with fear or not being as invested in what other people think, how do those things infiltrate and influence our decisions on a day-in and day-out basis? So one of the things that I shared with them that I want to share with you is from a book written by Brony Ware, 
and it's called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. And I'm going to throw it into the show notes page so you guys will be able to link to it if you're interested. But she was a hospice nurse for eight years, and she was able to compile over that duration of time the top five regrets that she saw from her hospice patients. Interesting. And what I think is so fascinating is that she found five that were kind of a through line between all those people. And so what that is, what these essentially are, is the culmination of your life's choices. Right, right. So based off of all of the decisions that you've made, these are the most prevalent regrets that people have on their deathbed, and we're going to focus primarily on one of them. But these are the five. I wish I had not worked so hard. Mm-hmm. I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. I wish I had allowed myself to be happier. I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. Wow. Huge one, right? Big one. The courage. I mean, that's what's so fascinating to me is that we we need courage to express feelings because our society tells us that that is vulnerable and weak and don't do it and don't show it. So you, we we literally have to be brave in order to yeah. experience this piece of our humanity. Our emotions are part of our humanity and we don't give breath to them. That's so true. And then the fifth and final one, which is going to be more of our conversation today I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Ooh, that's huge. So here's what really stood out for me. When we are in the throes of decision-making, we think about the micro view. We are so acutely focused on, like, let's use me for an example, who Amy Smith is in spring 2017 how this particular decision is going to affect my life, how this particular decision is going to influence 37-year-old Amy, how I am going to care so much about 37-year-old Amy's friends, family, what they think of me now about this decision now. It's Mm -hmm. micro. It's not meta. So when you look at the meta view – which is exactly what happens on your fucking deathbed, you look back and do you think you're really going to say, oh yeah, Amy, when you were 37 years old and so terrified of what your family would think if you moved across the country, good thing you chose to not do that. Or what I'm totally hypothetical. But that's what I really want you to understand is that we are often in this little bubble of our particular chapter in life Instead of looking at the grand scheme of your life. And I really want to start off by looking at when you are making decisions, I really think one of the most pervasive ways in which we get derailed or obstacles that we face is being so concerned about what other people are going to think about that choice. Yep. Now, not always. Sometimes the decision is hard because it is a fan- financial choice. Or sometimes it is, I just, I really, really don't want to regret this. But I do think more often than not, we can look at the decisions that we make and go, I am so concerned about 
what my mom might think or my coworkers or my best friends or my brother or whoever. So the first thing that I really want you to look at if you have a challenging decision to be made, let's just get rid of that clutter because again, on your deathbed, you're not going to be saying, yeah, I'm so glad I made sure mom was happy. I'm so glad I have no fucking clue who I am because I lived my life for my work. It's an interesting way to look at it is from like the perspective of your deathbed. Right. Mm-hmm. It is the, gr- and I've used this before, like in the grand scheme of Amy Smith's life, how big of a deal do I want to make right. this particular issue I'm stressing out about? Well, one of the things that kind of pops up for me is one of the tools that we have in coaching or what you have in coaching is future self. Right. And we always kind of take your future self as like your retired self, but like deathbed self is a whole other level. Right. Right. Like that just changes it. Completely. Exponentially. And I have often said too, that I think of the emotions that we experience as humans, I think regret is one of the worst. Yeah. And suffering. It's one of the absolute worst. It's a form of suffering. Yeah. Because there is nothing we can do. Like we're we're done. Yeah. There's no way to have closure. There's no way to redo. You are forced to reckon with your choices. If that is the case, then let's start carving that out now. Let's start paving the way now. I love that viewpoint. So here's the first thing. So let's get this out of the way. If I didn't know anyone else's opinion about this choice, what would I choose? That's great. Because this is the one thing that I do find quite often, that if we were take to take out all these other people's opinions, your decision's already been made. You already know exactly what the fuck you want to do. You have it right in front of you. Mm-hmm. But you have all this additional chatter and obligation to make somebody else happy. So let's just remove that for a minute. Let's okay. allow their opinion to be their opinion. They get to have that. They can think that you've made the wrong choice for the rest of their life. They get to carry that. What's more important, though, is that you feel powerful about your choice. So if you are going into some sort of decision, that's the first thing I want you to ask always. If I do not know anyone else's opinion, what would I choose? It just gets you a little bit more clear. The second thing I want you to consider and really resolve that this is going to be the case, period, no matter what, is to allow room for fear. Anytime that we make a decision, we are naturally going to experience fear because anytime we make a choice, we have no idea if that's going to be the right choice or not. For all of us, we all have no idea because we can't predict the fucking future. Sure. So we don't know if – we don't know what we don't know. Right. We can't forecast the future. So, of course, with uncertainty, there is going to be fear there. There's going to be apprehension. There's going to be curiosity and wonder. Am I making the right choice? I've talked about this a few times before on the pod, but Liz Gilbert in her book, Big Magic, I believe. I always get it confused with her podcast. Her podcast is Magic Lessons. Her book – is big magic. In big magic, she talks about the creative process and relationship to fear. And one of the things that she talks about is that fear is going to be a part of the journey. And there's no sense in trying to 
eradicate fear. We can't do it. In fact, I believe there's only one recorded instant of a person who lacked the ability to experience fear. Experience fear, fear yeah. That was uh, on a podcast called Invisibilia, I think. That's right. Yeah. And I'll I'll put that in the, the show notes page too. It comes with its own set of issues. Oh, know? oh my yeah. gosh. Absolutely. Thank goodness we we do have that right. fear response. And you know, knowing that it really is a part of our survival mechanism. It's designed to keep us safe. It's designed to caretake for us and to avoid things that could cause pain. Now in our present day, we think, oh my gosh, what if people don't like me? What if I'm not accepted? What if I make the wrong choice? What if I have all of these regrets? We don't know any of that. So what we have to do is allow room for the fear to be there. You cannot wait to make a choice till you have an absence of fear because that will never happen. The deal is allowing fear to be there, but not allowing it to dictate the choices that you make. If we're talking about that concept of other people's opinion, Oftentimes we say, okay, I'm not going to make that choice because I'm afraid of what so-and-so will think. Okay. How they will respond. What if we shifted that from I'm not going to make a decision based in fear, I'm going to make it based in something else. The only way you can make a decision based in confidence or self-care or fulfillment or impact or whatever else you choose to be motivated by is if we address that fear is there to begin with and then go, okay, I hear you. I know you're going to be there. I know I'm going to be nervous. I know I'm going to have some second thoughts and I'm not going to water that. I'm not going to fuel it. I'm not going to continue to allow that fuel to grow and a lot of, or that fear to grow. A lot of that has to do with how we choose to talk to ourselves about the decisions that we've made. Here's what I want you to do. As Liz Gilbert talks about this in, in magic, in big magic, she talks about allowing fear to be allowed to come along on the ride. Like you're allowed to have a voice. Fear totally has a voice. It It's chatty as fuck. I love that idea. It's always talking to us, but you're not allowed to have a vote. Fear can have a voice. You cannot have a vote. That is you giving permission to feel what you feel, allow yourself to be a little nervous, a little bit scared, uh, apprehensive, and still choose courage. It means that instead of allowing fear to have the vote and making the choice based off of fear, based off of what other people think, based off of safety, security, something else that is completely rooted in fear. It's acknowledging that and then choosing the powerful choice, choosing what you really, really want and choosing so courageously. I like the idea of having it along for the ride because a lot of times when we're doing these decision makings, we're so in our head that we lose track of the emotion of things. Or we either live on the emotional side and we lose track of the pragmatic side. Right. But when you are when you have the idea that fear is there, you know it's going to be there, it doesn't hit you as hard. Mm-hmm. It doesn't like, boom, oh, I'm in my head all about it. Or, oh, my emotions are all over the place because of it. You already know that it's going to be there. As opposed to, fuck, you're here again. Right. Right. Well, that's why I always hate when people are like, be fearless. I'm like, that doesn't exist. 
don't. Nor should it. Don't applaud that. Nor should it. Right. That's exactly right. Fear is just messaging. Right. And it's just telling us like, hey, we're outside of our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Do you want to proceed? That's it. Yeah. Do you proceed with caution? Right. (laughs) And it's there sometimes to tell us like abort mission. You know, if you have apprehensive feelings or red flags around a relationship and that's coming up, it could literally be abort mission. Other times it could be, this is scary. This is new territory. Proceed with caution. Are you sure you want to continue on? And that is very interesting dance to, to, to have. I'm going to talk a little bit about that because, and this usually comes up, this came up when I gave this keynote. How do we decipher between I'm feeling fear because it's a legitimate poor choice and how to decipher when I'm feeling fear because it's a legitimate good choice yeah. and I'm just scared shitless. Interesting. Yeah, that's true because either way, fear is there. Fear is there. <laughs> and that's why if you look at it from the lens of proceed with caution, you can kind of dig into it a little deeper. Okay. And I love what you're saying about this, too, because I oftentimes will use the analogy of if any of you have seen the show Family Guy, where Stewie is trying to get his mom's attention. And so he's this little baby. He's hilarious. And he's trying to get his mom's attention. And he's like, mom, mommy, mom, 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 mommy, 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 mama, mama. Mama, ma, 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 mom, 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 mommy, mommy, mama, mama, mama. What? Hi. (laughs) That is exactly what it's like to experience a relationship with fear. Fear will be tugging at you and saying, hey, 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 hey. Hey, this is scary. Wait, 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 wait. This is out of our norm. Wait, 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 wait. And all we have to do is acknowledge it and just go, hey, what? I hear you. (laughs) I hear you. Okay, of course you're scared, honey. We're doing something new. Of course you're scared. We got this. But if you don't acknowledge what you feel, you will have that loop that will sound like this. What if you made the wrong decision? What if you did this? This is, this is going to happen and you're going to do this and this is such a big mess. And then you get in this negative self-talk spiral that yeah. talks you out of making positive changes. Totally. That's what happens when you don't acknowledge fear because fear has a fucking voice. You have to acknowledge it and say, we're not doing that. Now, every time I think of you know my fear gremlin, I'm going to think of a little football-headed cartoon baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's. It, I loved that because I'm like, that is exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. So true. Speaking of feeling, number three, I want to give you a tool that will help kind of decipher that whole, is this my intuition saying, go for it, and I'm just scared? Or is this my intuition saying, this is scary and not good for you, abort mission? One of the tools that I absolutely love, and this comes from Martha Beck, And she's a huge pioneer in the coaching modality, if you aren't familiar with her. She Mm -hmm. talks about a concept called shackles on, shackles off. And it's about this idea of does this decision make me feel liberated or does it make me feel restricted and confined? Mm -hmm. Another way I've heard it described is does this decision feel expansive and scary 
or does it feel contractive? And we've done this a handful of times when we've decided, do we take something off our plate? Do we, I remember one time we were going to go away for a conference and we were trying to decide, do we go or do we not go? And so we felt into it. And I know this sounds a little bit woo-woo, but it's all it is is a simple visualization of your choices. So you visualize what your future would feel like if you chose to let's say go to that conference. So we kind of felt into it and like, okay, how does it feel that we would get all packed up? We would go to LA. We would do all the things that would be involved in that choice. It feels heavy. It feels contractive. It shackles on. I feel bound. Okay. Now when I think about, okay, what if we thought about not going, having the weekend completely free, having all of that time and energy and freedom. Oh my gosh, it feels expansive. Shackles off. Interesting. Okay. But we usually don't do that. We go into it pragmatically. We go, well, we already paid for the conference. We're going to lose all this money. Or what if these people think we are letting them down? Or the truth be told is it had no adverse effects on anybody else. It really was not that big of a deal. We were losing minimal money. There was really no reason not to. We just had this weird sense of obligation. Sure. And when we really felt into it and really thought about the actual conclusions, these two possible solutions, the decisions that we wanted to make, one felt much better. The other felt extremely contractive. And you also have to know that sometimes that is all you have to work with because we can't see the future. Right. You might regret it. We don't know. All we can do is make the decision in that moment based off of the information that we have at the time. The next piece of that then is to talk kindly to yourself about your choice. Okay. And you can say things like, I've made I've made the best decision that I know to make right now. I think the other thing to point out is, you know, when, when you were talking to fear, you were acknowledging it and saying, okay, I hear you. It's cool. Right. But you weren't saying, God dang it. Shut the fuck up. Right. 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 You were speaking kindly to it. Yes. To that side, to that, you're giving it relevance and saying, okay, I hear you. Right. And you have to do the same thing to yourself. That's exactly right. right. We have to tell ourselves the same thing. If you say, God dang it, Ken, you're doing it again. Mm -hmm. You're putting yourself in a situation where you're you know, a little kid getting reprimanded. Mm-hmm. And it feels so much better to say, ah, I got you. I caught you doing it. I know you're scared, honey. I know it's not cool, but we're going to get through this. We're right? going to get through this. And that's what I also mean about after you've made your choice to acknowledge fear and still choose courage or still choose confidence or choose whatever you want to have making the choices. Remember, fear gets a voice. It doesn't get a vote. So what gets the vote? What gets the vote? Courage, confidence, impact, self-love, whatever you want to make your decisions based off of instead of fear. And we're going to talk about that in a second. Ooh, okay. But I really do want to underline there that once you've made that choice, now it becomes, what do I want to say to that fear voice? If that fear voice does pop in again, because it will, what do you want to say in response to that voice. It's having 
a go-to response. Like, you know what? I've made the best choice that I ha- I can with the information that I have at the time. Done. Right, right. And that's it. The fourth thing, and this is huge, you guys. This is huge. If you consult other people about your choice, because we tend to do that, right? Sure. We outsource. What do I do? What do I do? Only go to people in your soul tribe. Do not go to people who cannot hear your biggest dreams and visions and give you a sound way to make that choice. Here's what I mean by this. Oftentimes, we will we'll be really close to, let's say, our mom. And we really, really want to share that this is going on with us. But when you do... That person, let's say it's your mom or your cousin or whoever you're close with, they have a very specific agenda about what you should or shouldn't do. And it's motivated by their limited thinking or their limited belief system. When I left cosmetics and decided to run my own business, my boss, who was amazing, I loved her. We had a great relationship, but she had her own set of limiting beliefs. And so she asked me, well, what are you going to do about medical benefits? And what are you going to do if the economy dries up? And are you are you sure you want to? So her clouded judgment about what she thought was realistic and what she thought was a good choice was not helping me make a decision. You know, the, the thing that kind of comes up for me is when you say soul tribe, outside of your soul tribe, like let's say, for instance, you need someone that, like, um, you want to sell your house. You would go to a realtor, right. right? They're not necessarily my soul tribe, but they're an expert in their field. Yes. So what's the difference between a soul tribe? What and, is a soul tribe? And maybe? an expert? Yeah, that that could be just as fine, too. The deal, that the thing that's congruent between those two, an expert and somebody who is in your soul tribe, is that their agenda is your biggest life. I would also say that it has a lot to do with does that expert have any biases? Like if you are to go with them as a real estate agent versus somebody else, is their decision going to be skewed? If it's a matter of uh, I want to know if I should go to this college or that college and you consult somebody who's in academia, who it doesn't matter there's no investment on their behalf, which one okay. you choose, okay. that would be a sound, a great sounding board. Somebody who is an authority who could really champion you without any biases. That's what's really important. Where it gets skewed with our inner circle, and by and let me just elaborate on what I mean by soul tribe. I mean the people who you can give voice to things who are really capable of hearing you. Okay who are hearing your biggest desires, who understand how you operate, who tend to champion you instead of getting locked into what they think you should do or any of these things that you're trying to break away from. Like if they say, well, what is your mom going to say? Or what is your ex going to say? Then that's probably not somebody who's helping. I see. But if they say something like, what does your heart tell you? That is a good soul tribe friend. Got it. I love to say, speak your truth into ears that can hear you. We try to speak our truth to people who can't fucking hear us, like our mom. And she's like, well, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to move across? Why would you want to do? No, don't do that. 
So even though we wish they could give us sound advice, sometimes they can't Yeah, because of their own limited belief system. But I love that you brought that up because you absolutely could go to somebody who's an authority on an or an expert. Just be sure that they are pointing you towards your biggest answer, not some sort of skewed reason why they would advocate for one decision over the other. Got it. Okay. That's like a financial advisor and a fiduciary. That's right. That is exactly <laughs> right. Great, great analogy. And then finally, number five, we've talked, to, we've danced around this a bit, but I would love for you to nail this down. If you aren't going to make the decision out of fear, what do you want to make it about? What is going to be that fuel in the engine, so to speak? If you are riding this bumpy ass ride because your engine is full of fear, what would make it a smoother ride? What if you were making your decision based off of your future, off of fulfillment, off of self-love, confidence, power, adventure, happiness? Mm-hmm. What if your goal- All the above. Right? Yes, please. What if all of those things were fueled by, or what if your decisions were fueled by things like that instead of what if, what if, what if, what if? Right. What if you went into a place of- I'm doing this for my, like our decision to move across the country. Yeah. I was just, know, that's the that's what I've been thinking about this whole time. Fear is there. We get sure. that all the time. I've been going, what if we don't have enough money for brand new furniture? And mm-hmm. then I'm like, oh yeah, we just manifest more. Okay. Right. I Fear is there. I hear you. And let's focus on our incredible life that we're going to put together. Yes. This adventure that we're going to take with one another. Yep. And so it's a shift of focus. That's it. It's instead of saying, oh my gosh, I'm listening to this nonstop fear chatter. We're going, I hear you, honey, and here's where we're focusing. It's a shift of focus and that's it. Yep. So whatever you water grows. So if you keep watering that fear, guess what? You're just going to get more of it. More fear. So let's squash a bitch out and start watering happiness, fulfillment, confidence, courage. I think that's everything that I had. I'm hoping that that gives you a lot of food for thought as you go into any type of decision making. And of course, you can always do a pros and cons list if you want. But I would also look at all of those things on the pros and cons list. How do they feel? Don't do what I like to call the cognitive override, where you just make everything a logical choice and you completely negate how you feel about things. Mm -hmm. It's incredibly important because that influences how happy you are, period. Sure. I think we will. Is there anything else you wanted to add? I don't think so. We'll see you around these parts next week. Here is to loving and living your most badass life. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, out. Out.